This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, April 14th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Hillary Cooper steps down as San Miguel County Commissioner. Virginia V. John Brown in Telluride. A toast to off-season and a mountain weather forecast. Hillary Cooper is stepping down from her role as San Miguel County Commissioner. With sadness and also um, a lot of excitement that I step into this new role and um, excited about where the county's going and I feel like I'm leaving it in good hands and confident that the Democratic Party will pick a good person to take my place. Cooper announced on Friday she will be leaving to take on a new role in Governor Jared Polis's administration. In her new job, Cooper will be the Director of Innovative Funding for Housing Programs, part of Colorado's Office of Economic Development and International Trade. Cooper says she's eager to join her colleagues in the new role and continue to focus on affordable housing and secure innovative solutions to accomplish Governor Polis's goals. I'm going to be stepping into more of the that free market um, housing market space uh, and economic development to try to find the tools and the tweaks and the funding mechanisms to hopefully make the economy work in areas where it can uh, to get more affordable housing. So um, I'm excited for the new challenge. Every job I've stepped into has been a big challenge, and um, I love new challenges. And um, so it's a, I'm, I'm psyched about this opportunity and, and really um, excited about the team I get to work with, too. They're, they're great people and innovative people and creative and um, eager to explore and take risks and find solutions uh, to implement this agenda that I feel really importantly about. Cooper has served as an elected official in San Miguel County since 1998, first serving on Telluride Town Council and then as a county commissioner. Cooper points to preserving the valley floor and the county's response to the COVID pandemic as some of her proud accomplishments. I think our affordable housing development um, have been certainly something that I've been uh, most proud of, really um, prioritizing affordable housing uh, for the county uh, was something that we initiated, um, Commissioner Holster and I initiated when we first um, were elected. And, uh, and then we got the Sunnyside Project built with the Town of Telluride. That partnership has been one that has been ongoing and Town of Telluride staff and Council people have been um, just invaluable to to me and um, also to the county as we um, started to prioritize affordable housing. Um, and then most recently, the acquisition of Diamond Ridge. Um, got a few bumps in the road for that, but I'm confident that in the end we'll prevail and be able to build a um, neighborhood that's going to be respectful to the surrounding environment and um, existing community and will actually um, provide a, a cool neighborhood for our workers and families. While Cooper is stepping away from elected life, she says she's grateful for her experience representing her community and encourages others to step into that space. I would really encourage everybody to consider public office. It's so important that um, 
we have a good backstock of people who are interested in serving their community and uh it's it's i found it to be an incredibly rewarding experience and just really want to appreciate all those people who have supported me along the way and most especially the county staff um who i'm going to be very sad to leave Cooper was first elected to the San Miguel Board of County Commissioners in 2016. She's currently serving her second term, which expires in January 2025. Hillary Cooper will officially step down from her position on May 8th. The San Miguel County Democrats will be responsible for filling her seat. They have 10 days from her final day to appoint a new individual to serve as commissioner. That person will serve the remainder of Cooper's term with the option to run for the seat in 2024. John Brown went on trial in Charlestown, Virginia, in October 1859. He was charged with treason, murder, and inciting a slave insurrection. But just before spring break, John Brown was back on trial once more in the San Miguel County Courthouse as part of the 8th grade mock trial. District Court Judge Carrie Yoder presides. This is the what's called the charging document that the grand jurors um, have charged you with. First count. The jurors of the Commonwealth of Virginia in and for the body of the County of Jefferson duly impaneled and attending upon the circuit court of said county Upon their oaths, do present that you, sir, together with diverse and other evil-minded and traitorous persons, not having the fear of God before their eyes, but being moved and seduced by the false and malignant counsel of other evil and traitorous persons and the instigations of the devil, did severally on the 16th, 17th, and 18th days of the month of October, in the year of our Lord, 1859, and on the diverse other days before and after that time, the euphoniously and traitorously made rebellion and levied war against the said Commonwealth of Virginia. Students are split into the defense and prosecution, some acting as lawyers, others play witnesses on the stand. The trial begins with opening arguments from the prosecution and defense. Good morning, Your Honor, ladies and gentlemen, and distinguished members of the jury. My name is Ryder, and I'm here with the prosecution. Today we are here for the trial of John Brown. We are here because of his actions in and around Harpers Ferry, Virginia on October 16th, 17th, and 18th. He has caused great harm to our country and its citizens. The evidence will show that he is guilty of three separate charges, the first being first degree murder. The evidence will show that he is guilty of multiple killings throughout his attempted insurrection, all of which were premeditated and deliberate. After opening arguments, witnesses ranging from Brown's son and wife, members of his group, plantation owners, and General Robert E. Lee take the stand, each doing their part to try and prove Brown's innocence or guilt. Would you please tell the court your name and title? My name is Robert E. Lee. I'm a lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Army. Would you please tell us something about what you do for the U.S. Army? I handle national security issues that threaten when did you first hear about the attack on Harvard's I was told on the 17th of October that a group of insurgents at 11, about 11 p.m. the night before had attacked the Federal Armory at Harvard's Ferry. I was then sent with a group of, of about 90 Marines to stop this insurrection. 
After over an hour of statements and questioning, a number of objections, some sustained, others overruled, lawyers present their closing arguments, and the jury heads to the deliberation room. John Brown is not guilty. Members of the jury, do your duty. Um, I'm assuming we don't have a rebuttal closing argument today. Okay. All right. Then we will turn it to the jury. It is now up to you, the jury, to decide the defendant's guilt or innocence. With the time crunch of the school day, the jury only has around 30 minutes to deliberate. But it's not much longer than they needed in 1859. In the original and real trial of John Brown, the jury only took 45 minutes to come to a verdict. In 1859, Brown was found guilty on all charges and sentenced to death by hanging. In 2023... My jury, my understanding is that you have a verdict. Is that correct? Yes. About what saying? Uh, for the first charge, treason against the U.S. government, we found the defendant, John Brown, not guilty. For the second charge... Starting a slave rebellion, we found the defendant, John, uh, John Brown, guilty. For the third charge, first-degree murder, we found the defendant, John Brown, not guilty. His fate is a little rosier. Thank you for your work, everybody. Chances are, this off-season, your favorite bar or restaurant is turning out the lights for a few weeks, if not closing entirely until summer. Where to turn for a drink when the pickings are slim? Perhaps make yourself a cocktail at home. Chance Van Cleef, food and beverage director at the Mountain Lodge in Mountain Village, stopped by the Purple House on Pine to offer his spin on an off-season drink. He spoke with KOTO's Gavin McGough. Today I'm making the Retox Detox. Uh, for your off-season, I thought it'd be nice if we uh, got something to retox you uh, after a few days of detoxing uh, from our Texas fever. I have in front of me a bottle of Kettle One Grapefruit and Rose. It's part of the Kettle One Botanical line. It's a infused vodka. Next to that, I have a bottle of Saint Germain, which is elderflower liqueur. And then the only other brand I have in front of me is Health Aid Kombucha. Uh, with their cayenne cleanse kombucha. Um, and then in addition to that, I have lime juice, uh, fresh squeezed, of course, and some simple syrup. So let's get going. First step, I'm going to ice down my glass. The best part of starting on a cocktail is getting that glassware nice and cold so your cocktail is as refreshing as possible. And then contrary to popular belief, I am not going to start with ice in my shaker. I'm going to start with booze in my shaker. So I have an ounce and a half of the Kettle One Botanical Grapefruit and Rose. After that, I have half an ounce of the Saint Germain. Need one ounce of lime juice. And what sort of glass are you using? I'm using a Collins glass. Uh, Collins glass is going to give me uh, a little bit of excess room, which I want for this cocktail, because what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna top it off at the end with that kombucha we talked about earlier. So now I have my lime juice in the shaker. I'm going to add half an ounce of simple syrup, not too much. And how do you make your simple syrup? It is a two to one ratio, sugar uh, being the one, water being the two. So I have everything in the shaker. Now I add some ice. 
the shake. So now that the shaker's open, I'm going to strain this cocktail over the fresh ice I already have in my glass. And then I'm topping this cocktail off with the cayenne kombucha all the way to the top of the glass. And the cool part about this cocktail is that the kombucha is completely substitutable. Um, I've tried this with lemon ginger. I've tried it with carrot blood orange. I've tried it with the cayenne, obviously. Um, I've had a friend that, that took the recipe and did it with a blueberry kombucha, but it's completely versatile and helps align the cocktail to the mood you're in. That's what I got. All right, cheers. Mmm, that is floral, spectacular, a little spicy, a lovely uh, off-season drink. I love that. That was the Mountain Lodge's Chance Van Cleef and KOTO's Gavin McGough enjoying the Retox Detox. There are so many ways to travel the globe. By plane, train, automobile, but also writing. This winter, the Wilkinson Public Library has been circumnavigating the world through poetry. Poet Alyssa Dixon hosts monthly writing play shops, using short poems as prompts for exploring experiences and perspectives on how it feels to be alive in the world we live in. The final play shop of the season will dive into India, land of spices, Bollywood, the birthplace of four major religions with 22 official languages. The play shop will explore the power words can have to inspire action, drawing on wisdom. The final Around the World Writing Play Shop will take place on Wednesday, April 19th from 10 a.m. to noon. The workshops will take place via Zoom. Registration is available at telluridelibrary.org. Another gun bill has been introduced into the state legislature. It's the eighth gun control measure introduced this session. The new bill would ban ghost guns. Those are firearms sold in kits or made with a 3D printer that can be assembled at home. They don't have serial numbers and are hard to track. Currently, there's no state law to regulate them. Bill sponsor Senator Rhonda Fields says banning ghost guns is a way to curb gun violence. So it's a very popular weapon for criminals to use because you don't have to go through a background check and you can just have one. And so we're going to put an end to that so that we can interrupt the level of gun violence that we're seeing in our state and across the nation. If the bill passes, people who own guns without serial numbers, including ghost guns, would have until January 1st to register them. The measure stops short of outlawing instructions for printing or building ghost guns. Bill sponsors link ghost guns to the recent shooting at East High School and the shooting at Club Q last fall. A new bill was introduced in the state legislature this week that would make changes to Colorado's election system. KOTO's Lucas Brady-Woods reports it would expand automatic voter registration onto Native American land for the first time in U.S. history. The bill would extend automatic voter registration to Colorado's two Native American tribes, the Ute Mountain Ute and Southern Ute. It would also guarantee that polling centers will be in place on tribal land for early voting and on election day. The Ute Mountain Ute Tribe's general counsel, Peter Ortigo, says it's a step toward equitable voting access. I think we will see more people registered because of it. 
it'll make it easier for them. If somebody wants to vote, we need to make it so it's easy on them to vote. The bill would also require Colorado's larger counties to start counting ballots at least four days before Election Day. It also increases funding for local election administration and transparency around campaign finance. I'm Lucas Brady-Woods at the State Capitol. Iranian Nobel laureate, former judge, and longtime human rights attorney Dr. Shireen Abadi was in Boulder recently to talk about the situation in Iran and to screen a documentary. The film Until We Are All Free is based on Dr. Abadi's life story. She was Iran's first female judge, but was demoted to the position of courtroom clerk after religious clerics who took control of the country decided women could not be judges. She then went on to start a legal practice to defend women and children and ended up as a political prisoner. Threats to her person and her family forced her into exile in London. KGNU's Shannon Young sat down with Dr. Abadi last week ahead of her documentary screening at CU Boulder. She spoke through an interpreter, Shireen Ashadi. You've said before that Iranians inside of Iran have told you that you now can be more effective at prompting change and raising awareness outside of Iran than inside. You're all the way here in Colorado. What have you come here to say? Uh, Today, I'm in Colorado, and I want to talk about the situation of human rights in Iran. And I want to tell everyone how the defenders of human rights face challenges in Iran, and many of them uh, face censorship, and at the same time, many are apprehended and are in prisons. Also today, I want to talk about the demonstrations in Iran. Uh, where women chanted that they were against compulsory hijab in Iran. And as a result of those demonstrations, many, many people have been apprehended. For what I know, 20,000 people have been put in prison. Also, over 520 people were killed on the streets, and 52 people have lost their sight as a result of uh, police shooting bullets that are known as plastic bullets. And again, 17 attorneys have been criminally prosecuted. And uh, they are only prosecuted because they have defended the uh, people who were caught. They're free on bail now. Some of them are still in prison. In other words, what the government is saying is that not only people who oppose this government will be apprehended, but even attorneys who defend those people will be put in prison as well. And it's not just attorneys. When you were defending people who were victims of human rights violations, your family was also targeted. How do you keep going in the face of threats to people who are closest to you? First of all, when you believe in a goal, uh, then you fight for that goal. But secondly, as defenders of human rights, we have to fight this government. Uh, This is what we have chosen to do. This is what we have elected in our lives to do. So we have to continue our fight against the government. The documentary ends during the pandemic, but it hasn't gotten yet to the part about the, the protests that erupted a few months ago after the death of Masa Amini. Where do you see the thread of continuity going 
from the end of the documentary to the present day. The violations of human rights are not only continuing in Iran, but the government is getting more brutal every day. And of course, the killing of Masa Amini, a young woman on the streets by the police in Iran, was like striking a match. It just took over. So the train of revolution has uh, left the station now, and it's going forward. Sometimes it goes slower, sometimes it goes faster, but it's not going to stop, and its people are going to continue until the last station of the uh, train, which is the toppling of the regime in Iran. What gives you the hope to be able to be convinced that the train has indeed left the station and will arrive? So the unclaimed rights of the people are gathering on top of each other. And it, it's not like all of those have come to an end, but they have it, the, the type of the struggle has changed now. So now people are not on the streets chanting maybe as much as they were, but um, at night they get on the roofs and they continue. They continue their fight. And if you look at the situation, every day more people are apprehended. So it's, the society in Iran is um, like a volcano, you can say. The smoke is coming out, but we never know when it will erupt. It, it will. Iranian Nobel laureate Dr. Shireen Ebadi speaking through her translator at a recent event at CU Boulder. For KGNU and Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Shannon Young. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for snow showers tonight with a low around 15 degrees. Saturday should be sunny during the day and clear at night with a high near 40 degrees and a low around 20. Sunday expects sunny skies with a high around 50 degrees. Sunday night should be mostly clear with a low near 30. This has been the news for Friday, April 14th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. Hello, Kodo friends. This is Tiffany Perry-Marks. I'm a board member of the Progressive Women's Caucus of the San Juans. The PWC exists to elevate women and shape our community through leadership and participation. It's election season again. That means the PWC will be hosting an informative forum to help you navigate the upcoming special district ballots. So mark your calendar and plan to attend the PWC and Wilkinson Public Library Spring 2023 Election Forum, Tuesday, April 18th from 5.30 to 7 p.m. And heads up, the Telluride Fire Protection District and Telluride Hospital District both have elections that could make this less of a sleeper than some other May elections. The fire district is asking for a mill levy increase in order to shift how emergency services are provided in our region. The ballot is your chance to weigh in. The Telluride Hospital District will be making decisions at a critical juncture of the Telluride Regional Medical Center's history, and you have an opportunity to elect its board of directors. These are important conversations that the community should be part of. You'll also hear from the San Miguel County Assessor about changes in tax structure. So become an informed voter. Please join PWC and Wilkinson Public Library at the Spring Election Forum again on Tuesday, April 18th from 530 to 7 at the library in the program room. The event is open to all, so please bring a friend. And bring your kids because babysitting and snacks will be provided. 
Spanish interpretation is also available during the event. And if you aren't sure if you're registered to vote, you can check the San Miguel County Clerk's website. Thanks, Koto. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Koto. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.